Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, the church of a distant Christian generation. Welcome again to the dining table as we take of the breakfast that the Lord will serve us again this morning. The topic to examine is mandate for greater works. Mandate for greater works. Uh, it's an extension on the two topics uh, we have had the grace to consider this year. First is kingdom concept, followed by his kingdom influence. And from there, still bearing in mind our objective to help us carry the constant consciousness that we are both ambassadors and ministers, gatekeepers, in other words, sectorial overseers of specific duties in the terrestrial component of God's universal kingdom. We did mention that the kingdom of God is universal. On this side, he has put us in charge to be, ambas to be his ambassadors and ministers, gatekeepers in specific sectorial uh, segments, performing specific duty in the terrestrial component of his universal kingdom. So we bear that in mind as we consider mandate for greater works mandate for greater works mandate for exploit now we must allow it to register in our minds as believers in christ jesus that whereas there are lots and lots of spiritual physical practical blessings in christ but we should let it register on our mind that the call to salvation, the call to believe in Jesus is not only to receive pardon for sin and uh, get terrestrial blessings, material blessings alone, but to be co-laborers in the vineyard. However, very unfortunately, it has been reduced to call to receive blessings and nothing more. So, one of the serious reasons we have to remind ourselves that we are God's ministers. We are sectorial overseers of specific duties in the terrestrial component of God's universal kingdom is the fact that the gospel has been reduced to mere platform for receiving blessings and nothing more. Tell somebody it is more than that. Tell somebody it is more than that. Yes, you will receive blessings, but it is much more than that. And of course, the free blessings are not always as heavy as the reward for your faithful works. So in two dimensions, you get blessed in Christ. There are these blessings that he freely gives. But there is also a reward for service. Not many people give attention to that. And I tell you, the reward for service is always heavier than the free blessings. Why? Our God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hebrew 11.6 But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not a man that they will forget the labor of our Lord. So, God rewards. So, when you know your duty and you perform your duty, then certainly God in his faithfulness will
bless you for it. Not just on earth, but in the world to come. Now, let's quickly look at what is that mandate for greater words. John 14. I will take the reading from verse 12. So, Jesus did not call us to himself to lazy around him, but to occupy for him. Let that sing. Tell it to your neighbor. Jesus did not call us to lazy around him, but to be occupied for him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So, salvation is not just a call to believe for blessings alone. It's also a call, okay, to service. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. Jesus here is talking about a succession plan that when he steps aside, we should step in such that the physical absence of Jesus Christ okay, should not translate to a liberty for the devil to take over. Are we together? But some of us, the physical absence of our pastor is already had enough trouble for us. Whereas in Christ's succession plan, his physical absence okay, should not translate to the liberty for the devil okay, to take over and do anyhow. Jesus said, as I was here and I am doing great works, as I step aside and you step inside, I am giving you the mandate to do greater works. May we wake up to that reality. May we begin to function in, that, in the realm of that reality in the name of Jesus. So, in studying this scripture, so that we can appreciate the gravity of what Jesus was saying here. And not only the gravity of it, but the sincerity of it. Because if a great man says, my wish for you is that you are greater than me, okay, you want to say, will it be possible? Considering the fact that men are naturally selfish. They don't want others to surpass them. But here we are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, both in sincerity and gravity, this is a serious matter to give attention to. The works shall ye do, because I go unto the Father. So, as we try to examine this scripture, John 14, 12, and the promise therein, I'd like us to first address the question of at what stage of Jesus' ministry did he release this mandate? Maybe that will help us to appreciate both the sincerity and the gravity attached to this mandate. At what stage of his ministry? That also will help us to understand the spiritual states of the audience he was addressing here. Who were his audience when he was releasing this mandate? The mandate to replicate and surpass his great works. His audience were the disciples and not the crowd. Hello? His audience were the disciples and not the crowd. As I point you to preceding events before the release of this mandate you will discover that this message fall within the bracket of those messages that can be termed as his valedictory messages you know what a valedictory message is a, a farewell message the kind of message somebody you are sending forth gives so jesus was rounding up his earthly ministry okay, and he said this and of course naturally speaking when a father of a house is to travel or a patriarch of a family is about to depart to eternity anything is such people say at that point should be taken very seriously so this 
particular mandate that Jesus released to the disciples that they will replicate his great works and surpass it fall within the bracket of those messages he gave as his valedictory message he said because I go to the father so he knew that his hour had come to round up his earthly ministry and he was revealing what his succession plan is to his disciples so let's push back into chapter 13 you will see a few of the events precedent to the release of this mandate you know we find that mandate in verse 12 of chapter 40 but let's push back to verse i mean chapter 13 verse 1 now before the feast of the passover when jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the father can you see a marriage between this and verse 12 he said because i go unto the father so this message fall within the bracket or this mandate fall within the bracket of those messages is shared okay as his valedictory message having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end now from here you can see the sincerity of the mandate that he was not just saying it for no for just saying something so he said it out of love then even the beginning of chapter 14 is also crucial the beginning of chapter 14 let's take verse 1 to 3 let not your heart be troubled are you there you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there ye may be also so this again made it very clear to us that the message that we can find in that chapter fall within the bracket of his departure message so the stage at which he released that mandate and the audience he released it to having the understanding of it will better position us to be partaker of the intention of Jesus for releasing that mandate so from this background it is instructive to know that greater world is not meant for prodigal children we will receive untimely inheritance and both away to go and waste it on riotous living so Jesus waited okay for three and a half years the one that has followed him the one that has learned under him they were the one that he released the mandate to so don't let anybody just think that uh, the the mandate to do greater work is for the cool nominal casual believer are we together so rather it is reserved for properly disciple and well-disciplined men properly discipled and well-disciplined men now, this manner of mandate is not meant for men of just vision and passion. It is meant for men that has the necessary corresponding consecration and maturity to fulfill the vision for the right purpose. We're going to read verse 13 and 14. We are eventually, okay, you told them, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Then they quickly mentioned that, that the Father may be glorified. So it's not a mandate, okay, meant for attention seekers. It's 
not a mandate meant for juvenile ministers. Okay, who want also to showcase that they too have an audience with God and now a measure of anointing to display. And at the end of the day, man is showcased and God is not glorified. From here, you should begin to also find the reasons why we have not been able to maximize this mandate. So, this mandate was not released to the disciples in the early days of, in the early days of their following him. You can't read anywhere in the gospel where at the time he called them, follow me and be fishers of men. Okay, and you will do greater works. He never said that at the recruitment point. Hello? But he said it at the, at, uh, at the convocation point. After they have gone through the rudiment of the training. And of course, after he left and they started to function in the reality of that, uh, of that mandate, people looked at them in the act of apostles and said, what manner of men are these? They never went to school. And look at the way they were teaching and the great works they were doing. And after they have looked everywhere for the secret of their outstanding ministry, they concluded that these are men that have been with Jesus. Are we together? So you're being with Jesus over the years, what has it translated to? You're being a Christian over the years, what has it translated into? You are still your whole self. You are still the liar that you were before you came to Christ. You are still the manipulator that you were before you claim to be born again. You are still the lazy lagger that you were before you claim to come to Christ. For these disciples, because they had been with Jesus, they have followed Jesus, they had learned under the feet of Jesus, they turned out to become different people who did great exploits. They ran with the mandate that Jesus gave them to replicate and surpass his great works. Jesus said to them, greater works than you do. So, the mandate, because of its gravity, was not given to them in their, in their holy days of following him. Jesus waited until the eve of his departure, after they had been thoroughly baked. And the standard had not changed. Apostle Paul said that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You will notice that when he was training them, there was an occasion he sent them out two by two, or two different occasions rather. When he sent them out two by two, that time they did great works, but they were not yet entitled to, to do greater works. Are we together? At a point he sent them two by two, they went and they come, and they came back, I think the 12 of them, at another time 72 of them, he sent them two by two. In each of those occasions, they did great works, but not yet greater works. At that time, he gave them power, but not yet the giver of power. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and compare it or parallel with Acts 1.8. The point I'm driving at is that I want you to understand the gravity of Jesus saying greater works shall we do. Luke 10, 19 Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, this was a mandate that he gave long before this last mandate of John uh, 14, 12. Are we together? So here we discover that he gave them power. Power to do what? To do great works, but not yet greater works. 
So if we cannot do in our dispensation more than they did here, then we are under performance. And we need to challenge ourselves. And whatever consecration it will require for us to surpass the apostolic days, we must cry to God for grace. Are we together? For the glory of the latter house must surpass the former. Then Acts 1.8 The same people is, he said, I gave unto you power. And they came back with testimony of what they did with the power. The same set of people he was now promising them power again. So the measure of power that is required to do great work is not the same, it's not the same that we used to do greater works. So in Acts 1, he said, But ye shall receive power. <laughs> After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, it was in the spirit of Acts 1.8, in the power of Acts 1.8, that they function in the Acts of Apostles, wherein they said, the men that has turned the world upside down had come here. It was in that spirit of Acts 1.8, not in the spirit of Luke 10.19, okay, that they look at them and say, ah, what manner of men are these? Are we together? And what we are entitled to as believers, New Testament believer, is not the Acts, it's not the Luke 10, 19 measure of power. What we are entitled to and we claim we have received is Acts 1, 8 measure of power. Are we together? So we have no reason whatsoever not to be able to do greater works. So in Acts, in Luke 10, 19, they receive power. In Acts 1, 8, God Jesus promised us the giver of power. Can you see the difference? Who is at a better advantage? A retailer or a wholesaler? Hello, church. So, the source of power is resident in us. The Holy Spirit. So, in those two earlier occasions, where he sent them two by two, those were the period of their tutelage. The period of their training. is like what they do in tertiary institutions today in Nigeria, they say they went, they go for sideways or industrial training as such. You understand what I'm talking about? So, during that period, it was training them on how to focus on the right purpose in ministry. Now, one of the greatest hindrance, why we may not be able to function in the mandate that will make us to do greater works, is when we don't learn how to focus on the right purpose for ministry. Hello? Today, you see some charismatics, they play of power. And at the end of the day, you ask yourself, of what benefit are all this jamboree in relationship to the very purpose of God for releasing the anointing? So, during that period, he was training them how to handle the glory of greater works. He was also training them on how to preserve their own personal salvation in the process of doing the greater works. I'll read further verses from Luke chapter 10 to buttress these issues. Verse 17 of Luke 10. And the 70 returned again with joy. They returned with joy because as they went, because of the power he gave them, they saw miracles. They performed wonders. Say, Lord, even the devil are subject unto us through thy name. Like it always happened in our Pentecostal meetings. Whereby 
when there's an heavy presence of the power of God, people are slain in the spirit. Deliverance takes place. People are falling under the anointing. But the question is, after the falling, okay, what are the derivable benefits? Those that fell, okay, the demons in them, has it gone or the demon is still resident there? The problem that is in their life, has it gone or is it resident there? But sometimes we can enjoy the atmosphere. You can enjoy the atmosphere, the sensation of the atmosphere, okay, and really don't evaluate how has that you know, contributed to the very purpose of God for giving us the anointing. Are we together? And the Sabbath returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even devils are subject unto us through thy name. Look at Jesus' response. And he said unto them, I bear Satan as lightning, fall from heaven, which means. Beyond what your physical eyes can see happened. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpent as scorpion and over all the powers of the enemy, and not to anything hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. How to focus on the right purpose for ministry. That the spirit are subject unto you, rejoice not. That you minister and people fall under anointing, rejoice not. But rather rejoice because your name are written in heaven. So he was training them how to preserve their own personal salvation in the process of doing ministry work. A lot of people will have, that will have made heaven, but in the process of doing ministry work, okay, they lose their soul. And Apostle Paul understood that very perfectly. Is the reason he said that after he has preached to others, he himself will not become a castout. So basically, he taught them on how to how not to get carried away by the glory of greater works. Oh, so I have arrived. And therefore, because you carry the anointing and people are getting ill, okay, you have no regard for any other person again. You think you are Alpha, you are Omega, you are everything. After all, I am the one that is praying for them and they are getting blessed so I can be rude to them. I can conduct myself as if I am a semi-God, semi-almighty. So, before Jesus released that mandate to do greater works, he first taught them by practical training how not to get carried away by the glory of greater works. He taught them how not to labor and get lost in the process. It is in the labor for revival, labor for salvation of souls, that some men have lost their own soul, some have lost their family, some have lost their children. I think it was uh, Billy Graham that was said, that Jesus said, what shall it profit a man that gained the whole world and lose his soul? And that man of God said, but I say unto you, what shall it profit a man of God that win the whole world for Jesus and lose his own family to the devil? Paraphrase. So as you seek the anointing to do greater works, and as you seek to do surpassing works of ministry, learn first how not to labor and get lost in the process. Learn how not to seek the sheep and become the lost shepherd in the process. A lot of people in the process of seeking for sheep, they have become the lost shepherd. There's a great lesson to learn, positive lesson to learn from King Saul before he started to misbehave. The house of his father, Kiss, got missing. And he was delegated to go and look for it. And after searching for it everywhere, and he could not get it, at a point, he stopped. Okay, and he told his uh, servant, he said, servant, it's time to get back home. Because by now, my father will stop worrying about the ass. 
he will be worried about us. Are we together? The same thing with God. But a lot of preachers, a lot of Christians today, my ministry, my ministry, my ministry, and their own life is decaying. Hello? When for the sake of ministry, you will lose your head, okay? You better lose the ministry and save your head. If you, because I want to have a great ministry, I want my ministry to be popular, I want to be everywhere, okay? You will become a candidate of hell. You better forget ministry and make heaven. Are we together? Saul, the son of Kish, said, at this point, my father will no longer worry about the ass. He will be worried about me also getting missing. So, if you will qualify to carry that mandate to do greater works, you must learn how not to seek the sheep and become the Lord, the Lord shepherd in the process. A lot in seeking the sheep have become the lost shepherd. Therefore, this mandate to do greater works is not meant for those who pray for the sick in just one prayer meeting and go and start a prayer and healing church of Miracle International overnight. Because Jesus has said we will do greater works and then you just jump at it and you have not learned and all that you needed to learn. So, this mandate in John 14, 12 it can be better understood as a clear statement of a mandate that puts a responsibility that demands maturity in our custody. It's a mandate that puts a responsibility that demands maturity in our custody. So, in that verse of the scripture, Jesus led us into the knowledge of the future possibility. He said, I am going away. I am stepping aside. I am going unto the Father. Okay, and I am establishing you to take over. Replicate what I am doing and do more than I have done. May you not fail God in the name of Jesus. So, Jesus was preparing them with that departure message. Telling them to brace up for the task ahead. But then, we should know that some possibility merely follow the natural course of nature to happen. This is not one of them. When he said you will do greater works, it's not an automatic thing. Hello? Now, when you examine promises of God in the scripture, there are those that are automatic. You don't need to lift a finger. They will just come to pass. But there are those, okay, that you will have to meet certain conditions. And once you don't meet those conditions, forget it. You can't enter that realm of oppression. You can't enter that realm of reality. Are we together, church? So, there are possibilities that follow natural course of nature to happen. You have no part to play to make them happen. For instance, we play no part to make the day to break and the sun to set. Hello? Hello, Dasi. It's a possibility. It's a reality that you play no part since, uh, since, since God has decreed like that. But to do greater works, okay, it does not fall into that category. So it's a prophetic reality. The prophetic reality of believers doing greater work doesn't fall into the category that uh, you do nothing, you lift no finger. And then uh, things will happen. We have our part to play. So I will mention what are the responsibilities that can be pointed out even from that same gospel I'm going to St. John chapter 14. And then we'll draw the curtain for today and continue next week. Verse 13 and 14. From there, we can find out that prayer very crucial. But what kind of prayer? Prayer for service and guidance? No. Prayer that is 
tailored towards the glory of God. It's a very key responsibility that will bring us to the realm of doing greater works. So where you aspire to do greater works, or you are empowered to do greater works, you must ask yourself, who takes the glory? Hello? The question of who takes the glory? Verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now, don't forget that in verse 12, he said you will do greater works. So since he knows that we will, whatever prayer we pray, we will be put to fulfill the mandate he has given to us, is the reason he will answer our prayer. So the moment you, the prayer is not meant or intended to achieve his purpose, the prayer can be denied. So you don't just isolate whatever we ask in his name, we will do it from the mandate he gave us to do greater works. Say, works that I do, you will do. So any time what you want to achieve will not align with his purpose, you forget it. He is at liberty to deny the prayer. Are we together? He is looking up to you to intercede for some people to be saved. Okay? And you are organizing a prophetic meeting to curse the people because we not function. Are we together? And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So, greater work for what purpose and for whose glory? If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, looking holistically at verse 12, 13, and 14, the statement of Jesus on the subject gave us a two-step possibilities. The possibility of replication and the possibility of uh, surpassing. The same thing he did, we will do. Greater works, we will do. But this is premised on some basic preconditions. And these conditions are to be met in order to be qualified to undertake this twin sequential responsibility. What are the conditions? We must have a personal relationship faith in Jesus. Verse 12 said, those who believe in him will do the same thing he did. So personal relationship, relationship faith in Jesus. Then he went further and talks about prayer. Which means we must also engage in faith-based communication with Jesus. Praying in his name. And the third one is to ensure, ensure that the end purpose of the prayer is to give glory to God and not for self-gratification. One, personal relationship faith in Christ. Two, faith-based communication in Jesus' name. Three, ensuring that the end purpose of the prayer is to give glory to God and not for self-gratification. Once your aspiration to do greater works fail any of these preconditions, forget it, okay? You will not be able to enter that realm of reality. Father, thank you for thus far you have helped us again today. We ask that as we continue next week, you will release unto us greater grace in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Help us to be people who understand your purpose, who function in your purpose, and not glory in ourselves. Thank you, Daddy, for answer prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We believe you'll be blessed by the ministry of this message. You will do well to be the doer of all you've heard. For further inquiry and spiritual help, 
Contact this number is 08035685882 or worship with us at Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church or Justin's University of Ilorin Teaching Hospital. Okay, say God bless you.